Hi everyone and welcome to episode 134 of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host Daryl and I'm here with Spencer. Who's that? Where'd you come from? I, I just Who I, is Spencer? I just came back from a time machine. Uh, I was Last time I saw anyone was 2014. It was E3. I was very <laughs> excited for this thing called the... Uh, I mean, Jesus, I don't even... I don't even know. All right, dumb joke aside, hi. I've been gone a long time. Hi. <laughs> Episode 92, I think, was the last time you were That's on. That's true. Right? And which one's this? Uh, 134. So it's been, yeah, it's been a while. Two years. I know. I was actually, I was actually, uh, I've been waiting this whole time at, uh, where I thought we were all recording episode 100 at, and I just didn't get my invite, so I just waited there for a couple extra months. <laughs> Definitely not salty about that at this, all. This is your episode 100, Spencer. <laughs> Take take it, take it. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the only reason it's like that is because Daryl's the only person who would want to record with me. Hence why Lauren is not here this week. <laughs> <laughs> no, at well, the reason that Lauren is not on this episode is actually because we are unfortunately recording on fireworks night in England, and uh, it means that there's some quite loud bangs. So if you do hear some loud bangs, I'm sorry. Um, and so she's on on daughter watch to make sure that she is not angered by everything that's going on and she can be placated she also hasn't really played world of final fantasy and today's topic is world of final fantasy so didn't necessarily make too much sense for her to be on the review episode she could ask us great questions like who's the cutest in world of final fantasy which we would all just say of course it's tama everyone that loves tama what about seraphie no, she's too monotone for me <laughs> just, no. <laughs> no. i mean that being said tama no i mean not tama uh seraphie did make me laugh out loud once, at least so far in my playthrough, which I have not gotten as far as you, Daryl. But, like, Seraphie did make me laugh very hard during the entire conversation about, like, sh- basically the fact that they had to make a three-minute cutscene, two of which were allocated about making steak puns, all to just say, hey, there's fast traveling in the hub now. Yeah. Some good humor in this game. <laughs> it's uh, I, it's yeah, uh... divisive humor, I'd say. All right, so we're doing a review episode, and um, it's going to be spoiler-free. So don't worry if you haven't played the game yet. It's probably going to be more of a hopefully it convinces you to buy the game kind of episode. Or hopefully it doesn't dissuade you from getting the game because we both enjoy it. So hopefully everything we say is positive. <laughs> I mean, we'll, it, by the end of the day, we'll at least be doing a better job than the only commercial they made for World of Final Fantasy. Have you seen this yet, Daryl? No, and I don't think I want to, because I can imagine how horrific it's going to be. I recommend everyone look it up. Just look up World of Final Fantasy, like, TV ad, or it might be on their Facebook page still. It's just a minute straight of a grown man toppling over things that are stacked together. And that's how they sold the game. It sounds like uh, it would be a decent advert for, um... Oh, what was the hell... What was that name of that game? Katamari. Oh, yeah, yeah, It actually feels more like a weird... kind, of, like, like, the game... Like, World of Final Fantasy is weird and kooky a lot of the times, but, like, the ad was pushing it a little bit too far, probably because it was all live action. Oh, that sounds like a bad idea. But then again, I could... I was thinking it was going to be cringe because I could imagine them just doing loads of cutscenes with Lan and Rain and stuff and everyone just being like, what the hell is this? Why am I watching this? Um, yeah, so before we get onto the review, uh, I just need to remind everyone that obviously Final Fantasy Union is part of a podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union, and it's presented by the Gaming Union Network. We have a new show every Tuesday in rotation with Kingdom Hearts Union, and we come on the iTunes store, as well as youtube.com forward slash ffunionvids most of the time. If Square Enix allows you. Yeah, if, if, we're, if we're allowed. <laughs> 
Spencer, where can people find out about your stuff? Come my st- on. Oh my gosh, Daryl. You know this is the first time I've ever actually promoted myself on any podcast we've ever done. I'm just that bad at it. So, I mean, you don't have to if you no, don't want true. to. That's um, true. Uh, long story short, uh, if you want to find out about the things I do, I do a podcast about all things Persona and Megaten called Shin Megami Tensei Network. And I do a show about all things PlayStation Vita called the Vita Life Podcast. You can find those out by Googling those or Ask Jeeves again, whatever you want. Also, for my last shameful plug, patreon.com slash Final Fantasy KGNU. No, just kidding. Patreon.com slash Spencer Presley is a thing that I have. But. Now on with the hashtag Vita Life. Yeah, hashtag Vita Life. Whatever. I mean, I don't think I actually have known how to properly hashtag my entire life. There is actually, oh, what is it? There is a hashtag that is going around for Vita. It's um, there's like a movement to save the Vita. I mean, Daryl, it's been going, going on, on for a while. since uh, early 2012. Since it's been, it, ca- since it's it came been out, a constant struggle. <laughs> since it released, <laughs> it's like I like people are like, "Hey man, is the Vita dying?" It's like, "Where have you been? We've been stuck on Vita Island. <laughs> Vita Island's the hashtag that I know about. That's just because like no one wants to save the Vita anymore. It's just like, listen, there's a couple thousand of us. We're all on an island. We enjoy our games. We get every every ration drop from Sony. World of Final Fantasy just happens to be one of them this month. Alright guys, it's time to move on to our Patreon shoutouts, so if you want to support us, please head over to patreon.com forward slash ffkhunion. We're going to do shoutouts for everyone who's pledged $2.50 and above. It's going to be me doing the shoutouts again though, so I'm going to try and bash through this as quickly as possible without passing out. Okay, so first up we have Barry Norton at Nortron Zero, Christian Burge, Joey Hinkle at Oren Darkrend, Loris James, Satria J.S. Adama at Satria625 Ruben, Skylar Loveless, William Trengrove at Varnas the Axure, Chris Morales, Eric Decker at Chalco Taco, Harley Crawley at Darkzed Tiokami, Josh McNabb at J2K9, Michael Graham, Thorin Bullen at Massacre23, Zach Duranto at ZDuranto58, Alex Traubman at Akira Namegen, Billy Jackson at underscore Billy Jackson, Jason Rivera at Neo Arcadaic, Joseph Robson at PKMN Trainer J, Keith Field at The Mighty Keith, Chris Russell at The Ninja Max, Mike Shelley Donnelly at Curious Quail, Muhammad Kayum, Nico Gonzalez at Nick underscore Knack 95, Rachel Casserton at Urba Young Ray, Britannitas at V underscore Tron 5000, and Zelda Clone at Apes Type Novels. Whew, managed to make it all the way through with no errors. I should pat myself on the back, and I'm going to do that right now, actually. Yeah, there you go. I'm metaphor- you. Me- metaphorically you patting you on the back. Thanks, Spencer. Thanks. <laughs> Alright, so uh, basically this whole episode is going to be a review of World of Final Fantasy. So... We're just going to go to town, I think. Um, Starting off with probably the fact that it's directed by Hiroki Chiba. It was actually only announced about a year and a half, actually less than a year and a half ago, which is actually very good bombing for Square Enix. They don't usually have that good of a turnaround time for anything other than mobile games. You know why, right? Because they didn't develop it this time. That's true. It was outsourced. By the great and always underloved Toze. I remember, like, I didn't know Toze made it until I booted up the game. And I went, holy crap! This yeah, is a no, it, game. It was the demo, wasn't it? Uh, I think it was in the demo. Everyone was just like, whoa, what What the hell? Like, where did this come from? And yeah, like, uh, they outsourced the whole thing. Well, not the whole, <laughs> the whole thing. thing. They, they literally like, just they quite made a lot the of trailer in 2014. <laughs> they chucked it out. <laughs> just, just give well, us I mean, a game in two years. It wouldn't surprise me, because, like, sometimes, I mean, um, with, like, Nia, it was literally just um, Yasuke Saito, I think is the guy's name. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure. Um, just kind of telling the guys over there and just helping them with stuff. But other than that, it's kind of free reign to do whatever they want. So, I mean, obviously there's Square Enix people that worked on this product, but there would have been higher positions, I'm sure. But yeah, 
What else have What else have the guys worked on? Uh, Toze, if anyone doesn't really know about the company, they've been around since like the late '80s, around the NES days, and their whole company motto is actually just to be uncredited for like helping either like publish games, port games. Um, basically, just they exist. Almost like the equivalent of like a ghostwriter, but for games. Where like it's actually it's actually rare to see their name in a splash screen. That's like how rare it is. Even when they have fully developed a game, uh, I don't have any titles off the top of my hand that they've done. But like it's one of those companies of just like hey, if it's a port of like something Japanese or even just something Japanese in general, they've usually had a hand in it. Um, if you want, just check out their wiki. Like they have hundreds of games they've helped develop and stuff and very very favorable track record yep i'm just looking through it now and it's pretty extensive they've actually um they were the guys who pretty much did a lot of the ports for final fantasy games like they did chrono trigger not a final fantasy game but just if i'd start there fantasy 4 on uh, playstation game boy advance 5 and 6 as well final fantasy tactics on psp they also did akami on the Wii. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so pretty much just they just do they just get stuff they do. done. <laughs> they just get stuff done. They are the they are the opposite actually of the Final Fantasy fifteen development team. <laughs> they will they you <laughs> leave them in a room for two years, they'll pump out a game and there you go. No trailers, no no hype needed. Man, and yeah, they've been doing it for a long time, as you said, like yeah, a long time. Yeah, really, 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 really cool company. Um, a lot of interesting folks who've like worked there over the years and stuff. But it's just one of the they're, they're basically like the best kept secret in Japan in terms of like small known developers. Lightning returns, apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So um, before we get on to anything else with the game, um, what systems did you pick up on Spencer? Because I have a feeling that people are going to be curious about this one. Because I don't know how many people actually have done what you uh, did. Not a lot of people, I hope, have done what I've done. Daryl, I have three copies of this game. I have the day one edition for Vita, which is the only edition available. Uh, I also have the limited edition that came in the little art book sleeve. Did you guys get that over there? We got a collector's edition of some kind. Uh, I think there might have been an interim kind of like mid-range one too. I got that one because I also got the collector's edition, which was the big pop-up book edition with the figures, art book, soundtrack. Basically just because... I like supporting my games in a very financially unhealthy way. Uh, but yeah, I've been playing it on both systems, uh, primarily on Vita. Um, fun fact, if you have no internet connection, you will have to go through that entire game with zero voice acting. That's lovely. It, it, especially when you start playing it and realize this is probably one of the most vocally heavy games I've ever played. Because not only is everyone like voiced, NPCs talk enemies talk like any chance they get to have someone talk the game will talk and i guess like during normal things like cutscenes and like dialogue boxes i think that's probably fine but they talk during dungeons as well like how you're just gonna read the bottom of the screen because you're not even gonna know they're talking yeah although luckily like um and if anyone doesn't know the, the reason there is no voice acting uh in the base game for vita it is on ps4 obviously because they can fit on a blu-ray uh vita cards can only hold four gigs the game is so huge even when you took out the multiplayer, it fills up the entire cartridge. So you have to just go to the PlayStation Store and then download the English VO. Which is a pain. You can also get the Japanese one Only as well, if right? you pre-order. There's no way to buy it yet. Um, all the pre-order stuff is exclusive to if you uh, pre-ordered and put in your code. Hmm. Kind of harsh. Well, I mean, it's, they're, not, they're definitely not the first ones to do it. And that, that's its own topic that could easily be on an even larger tangent of why is Japanese VO a pre-order bonus. So, yeah. But it wasn't on the PS4 version. 
It's just a bit strange. Oh, well, no, the PS4 version's the same way. I thought it was in the uh, base no, game. No, only in the demo did it show that it was available for both. Uh, it's hmm. in the base game's files, I think. I haven't downloaded it on PS4 to check, just because I knew I was going to play it all in English. But yeah, it is the day one edition code that came with the Mirages, Sephiroth, and the Japanese voiceover. So it is locked unless you pre-order it. I see. So yeah, how you been enjoying the cross save then? Cross save is really really good. Um, anytime you save at all, a little icon that will pop up and automatically annoys everyone in the world playing this game who doesn't have a Vita. So you will do what Daryl did and turn it off as soon as humanly possible. So you don't have to wait an extra three seconds for each save. Uh, if you're playing it like me though. Uh, it's really, really nice. It transfers everything over, uh, unsurprisingly. The game looks just as good on the Vita screen as it would like on the PS4. I guess in terms of, like crossover, we were talking about this, uh, it was really interesting. There was some DLC that I got for buying the Collector's Edition um, that didn't transfer over to my Vita version, but since I have cross-save, it actually brought all those ex- extra mirages and summons and stuff over automatically without me having to like re-download anything, which was really, really nice. Yeah, and actually... Um... One of the things I was just about to say, like, oh yeah, on the um, the cross save thing, if you don't have cross save, it's about three seconds. But uh, when I was playing the game, PSN went down. My game wouldn't even load. Like it just got, it just wouldn't because it couldn't connect anymore. So it just yeah, got stuck. It... So I had to actually turn off the internet on my PS4 to have the game work. Yeah, if you're playing in an uh, unconnected environment, it's a lot more annoying, especially if you haven't turned it off, because it'll then load, it'll take longer, it'll be like, I can't connect anything, then PSN will pop up saying, oh, we're having troubles with blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that, then it gets a lot more annoying, but the 99% of the time that I've had it and I'm connected, it works flawlessly. So I guess the first thing we should talk about is the story. It's... Uh... I mean, it's one of the things they bigged up the most about the game, saying that it's going to have like a story that's on par with a main series game and all this stuff. I guess from what you... Because you haven't got anywhere near as far as I have, because obviously I pretty much finished it. I think you're probably about a quarter of the way through. Like, how are you feeling the story so far? Do you think it stacks up with like a main series game? I uh, kind of come from this from two different angles. I'm very, very surprised. I was, I've been looking forward to this game really since its announcement. Um, for various reasons, but story was definitely not one of the reasons I was looking forward to it. But when I got into the game, I found myself surprised from two reasons. One, how much I just genuinely like all these characters, um, which has just been really, really surprising. I, I, I put that all on to the fact that the writing, I feel, is really, really funny. It definitely, like... Is it, it's going to either make you love or hate all the characters in this game, as a lot of the internet's kind of like discovered with the twins, especially like especially Lon. But one of the other things that surprised me is that it's a very different kind of story for Final Fantasy in the sense that you still have to go a few hours um, without really knowing what's going on. But the game is very straight up, and it tells you, I mean, not even it, like, Anna Crow, like, will just straight up tell you when the game starts, like, hey, you're going to go on this adventure, I can't tell you why. Also, BT-dubs, I'm God. Go from there. And so it's just you experiencing, like, this world, like, through their eyes, which I know, like, you do with, like, all the other games. They always have those characters, but I think... It would have been a very easy cop-out to have them both be silent protagonists, or just, like, only play as one of them, but their dynamic on top of all the other characters, at least that I've found in the story, I found being very genuinely interesting, wanting to kind of find out what's the deal with, like, them, time, and, like, their mom, 
And then at the same time, I like how I like have this as like a footnote, whereas I thought this is why I would be into the game to begin with. The Final Fantasy stuff really doesn't even like have me that intrigued in the story. It's like a cherry on top. I I I, I kind of have this like, oh, it's cool they're in there, but the story doesn't rely on them, which I think is really smart. I think um, as I've played a lot more through the game, um, I think the the stuff earlier in the game that you're saying you really liked. I think I was probably I'd say I was about the same when I was at your point, but I think as I got th- further through it, it kind of annoyed me a little bit because it doesn't develop very quickly. So uh, in the early stages, you're going through that learning phase and obviously they don't really tell you anything about why you're doing what you're doing. Um, but there's there's not too many development moments. It's all just like, oh, I'm going to a new place. I'm going to meet some new people and not much is really going to happen. And then I'm going to go to the next place, rinse and repeat for a long time. It has time. a really weird pace for an RPG, don't you think? Yeah, it's it's like this because they need to introduce all the Final Fantasy characters. It's generally just you go somewhere, you meet some characters. There's something you have to do to help them, and then it's like a whole. It probably takes about sixteen to maybe twenty five hours for some people to get to the point where the introductions stop, and the actual story begins, which is a bit annoying. And I. I can't help but make like Final Fantasy Thirteen comparisons right now, um, but it's like a really strange system whereby like you're you're pushed down a path. There's not really anything that kind of goes on. Like there are a couple of points where I think Rain is like, "Why are we even? Why are we even doing what we're doing? Like, what's the point in this?" And Lan's just like, "Well, because Anna Crow said we should, and we stuff." And it's like, "All right, okay." But it's like, as you mentioned, like the, the Final Fantasy characters are such a small part of the game at that point. Like They're just kind of the cherry on the top. They they have nice interactions. Some of them literally you see for about three minutes and that's it, they're done. Um, and then others have a bit more time associated to them. But it's only after maybe that what, 16 to 25 hour moment, then the Final Fantasy characters actually become integrated in the story. And they have a purpose, and then you have more of a purpose. And I thought that that moment should have happened a lot sooner. And I, I think it was the thing that I was kind of disappointed about the story because like, I like the characters. I, as you, I, I really like them. Some, I mean, Suprio on Twitter asked us to discuss why Lana's the worst character and why they wrote him that way. But I, I think his writing's good. I thought the way that he they portrayed him was good. I thought the dynamic between him and Rain was good. I thought that Tama's integration with like the, that trio was good, but I just thought that it, it the pacing was too slow to get to the point where it needed to get to, and it meant that once you got to that point, there's not that much on the other side of it to make it a bit more interesting. So I mean, I I don't feel they achieved potentially what they thought they were going to achieve with regards to it being on par with a main series story, but it's it's not a bad story. I think I think a lot of the complaints I've heard really could have been remedied from this game at some point in development clearly Square Enix decided hey we should really buff this thing up and kind of fluff it out but I think if you took out like a lot of that fluff because like you were even telling me and I've heard from a lot of other people that like later in the game especially like the last dungeon and stuff just goes on and on and on and on and if the game kind of kept the because I'm now getting like slowly like out of that like introductory phase of just like um, 
like story dungeon story dungeon story dungeon in pretty like quick succession. I think if the game kind of kept that pace and maybe was only like a 15 to 20 hour RPG for the whole thing, the story may not have like kind of suffered from having those really like low moments like you were talking about. Do you think do you think that might be the case? Yeah, I mean, it's just how they decided to develop it. It's I mean, you're going to get to the point soon where you go to Seronia and in Seronia there's actually a piece of story an actual story progression and like those moments just don't really happen that often so when you kind of get to the point where i mean i mentioned it in uh like the review i did on youtube but like the antagonists that you face up against by the time like you know who they are but you only really know who they are because of their unique designs you don't really know who they are as characters like they don't really have any motivations that you're aware of in Seronia, one of them does something and you're like, all right, cool, fair enough. And then you won't see them again for like another 15 hours. <laughs> so it's like, oh, okay. Um, and now I'm supposed to care? Okay. Now for this, are you talking about for like the original characters or like the... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because we even talked about it a little bit. It's, it's really hard for me to always kind of come to the fact that Square Enix wants this to be an introductory like Final Fantasy game, but yet I the whole time I'm playing it, I have that in the back of my head, and I'm just like, I really feel like this would be a terrible first Final Fantasy for anyone. Yeah, I just... At, le- at least in terms of, like, world building. In terms of world building, it would just be like, okay, let me just throw you, like, head deep into all these Final Fantasy games' lower worlds and, like, monsters. Yeah, it's... it's as a, As a Final Fantasy fan, I think it's great. And I love playing through it, and I, I don't care about the fact that it's not like a super serious story or anything like that. I, I, I just loved seeing the different interactions. I loved seeing how they integrated the different worlds into the story, and like the world map is just absolutely stupid and nuts. And I loved it yeah. for the fact that it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Like, oh, um, I'm gonna ride a boat, and then I'm gonna fall down a massive waterfall, and now I'm on enough the continent, like what. How does they? Oh, I'm gonna go on a train that can go vertical. Like, where where does this even come from? But I thought that as a, someone who's from the outside, like I don't know, as an independent JRPG, it expects you to care about stuff that you wouldn't care about, and I don't think it's strong enough. Like the story is okay, but I think there's a much wider appreciation that comes from being a Final Fantasy fan. But, which is obviously always going to be the case. I think I think an important question, at least to ask, that isn't obviously spoilery, because I don't want to get spoiled, and I know everyone listening probably, for the most part, I hope everyone here hasn't beaten uh, the game who's listening to this, otherwise I'm going to feel like a total failure as a fan. Um, <laughs> at the end of the day, from what you've experienced in terms of story, is it something you'd want to see them try again and maybe make a tighter experience? Or do you think this works better as just a one-off kind of game story? I, I definitely think that I want to see more of what they've done. I I feel that this was an, um, a good experiment for them. Um, it's I mean, really, it's something they've done that's completely different. So they, you think you look at games like Final Fantasy Explorers and even the mobile games like Brave Exvius, Record Keeper, they kind of trial this whole thing with, okay, we're going to create a new story and we're going to integrate other parts of the franchise into it. The only other one they've already done is Kingdom Hearts, and that worked really well. But like the Final Fantasy integration, that was small compared to the Disney integration. Mm-hmm. So I think it wasn't it wasn't the same thing as as World of Final Fantasy. But I, what I would say is that Kingdom Hearts 
showed how it should be done in terms of like and I guess this is what um you know again I mentioned this in my other review, but I like I I really liked Lana and Rain as characters um, and I really want to see more of them as characters because I thought they had loads of personality they actually got developed pretty well by the end of it um and you get invested in them as characters you just don't get invested in anything else and I think that was the main problem whereas with Kingdom Hearts like I you care about the the mission that they're on you care about like the interactions that they all have like there's purpose behind what they're doing and it made it so much better and there was more longevity on that basis so i think if they if the game sells well enough and um the reception's well is is good then i would definitely be interested in seeing another variation of this but just with a much tighter more coherent and i guess more of a driven narrative Daryl, you bring up a really good point comparing the way they use um, the story and, like, your motivation or, like, how much you like these characters with Kingdom Hearts. But I actually, like, you made me think of something I never actually thought about. Whereas, like, Kingdom Hearts kind of drops the ball. Like, I feel like in terms of, like, what it makes you care about is really in its Final Fantasy. I mean, it's it's kind of always been that way. It's more of just been, like, even with this game, it's like a cherry on top. Oh, hey, cool, clouds in this game. Um... But the reason you care about these worlds and characters is because everyone who at least is, like, around our age or even, like, younger or even older is, like, you know these Disney movies. You, like, you grew up with them for the most part or, like, they are still part of, like, our culture. Whereas, like, Final Fantasy, if the 90s never ended, may have gotten to that point by 2016 in terms of, like, hype and love for the series. It's just really, really hard to, like, get that, like, level of just, like, how much are you going to care for this universe? Like, I'm sure that there's someone listening to this show right now who loves Final Fantasy as a world as much, if not more, than Disney. But in terms of, like, for everyone, it's just something really, really hard to, like, get, like, a good balance of. But I think it's also... that That's also the thing with Kingdom Hearts. Like, you go to a world, you get fully immersed in that world. It's an accurate representation of that world, and they pull in everything from it. So you get the protagonist, you get the antagonist, you get all the like the all the monsters are themed around that world. Whereas with World of Final Fantasy, they did, they didn't want to go down that route. They wanted to create this mishmash of things where, like you know, for example, the Final Fantasy VII area is an integration of um, Midgar, um, N- Nibelheim. Like they just made this mashup world. Like they just. Like, um, Seronia has, uh, I think, like, parts of Final Fantasy V integrated. Like, they just, they didn't care. They just shoved everything into this massive pot. But it all makes, but it all makes perfect sense. And I really loved the way they did it. But they didn't, it wasn't supposed to be like a, here's an accurate representation of this game. We're going to be a massive tribute to this game. Um, so they didn't include any villains. They didn't, like, they didn't do anything with that. Like, you go to Nibelheim and Rydia's chilling out in there. Like, it just, they didn't, they didn't really care about doing the kind of Kingdom Heartsy thing. They but they wanted to make their own new, unique experience. And I just think that what they did worked really well. It's just that they didn't the motivations weren't there. As I said, like, you know, if you think about it, what's what Alan and Rain even trying to do? They're just doing something because they were told to do it and it's just like all right fair i enough, mean for, for lack of a better comparison it's basically like lightning returns reasoning hey you're you're here now because god made you do this now do what god told you okay yeah i'm gonna play this game because i bought it uh, <laughs> i mean luckily like like you're saying and from what i've been picking up the, the motivations get there 
they just take way too long for you to be fully motivated, like as a regular like story would be. Yeah, and I think that's the that's the main. I think I have a feeling that if you were playing this and you weren't a Final Fantasy fan, you'd just get bored because you wouldn't have the the nostalgia that's kind of driving you on to think, oh, I wonder what they're going to do next. See, or Darryl, what are they going to do next? I would like, agree with you if this wouldn't be a perfect segue into what I assume we'll be talking about next. But my God, even if someone doesn't like Final Fantasy, this is a great RPG. Yeah, actually, well, we have one more thing before we get into gameplay. I know, that's why I said it was terrible uh, timing for that segue. Yeah, and that's... Uh, <laughs> so, nostalgia. So, Connor Merritt 95 on Twitter asks us what has been our most nostalgic moment so far. I, I know you haven't played that much of the game, but have there any parts that you've enjoyed so far that have just thought you... That, yeah. They've just made you think, oh, wow, this is this is so cool. So I'm going to cheat a little bit because I don't want to be like, oh, this is my most nostalgic moment because I am really early. I mean, I say that even though I'm like probably like 10 something hours into the game. Um, I'm going to have to say is the music so far. I love what the music is doing in a way that it doesn't feel like it's trying to be a tribute band, but you can always tell what games it's trying to invoke the sound of. The, the music basically like when it's doing those like callbacks i remember like when i heard the town theme um from like final fantasy 1 in the game i thought it was like such a cool rendition that like really brought me back to like what i love about final fantasy's music and like how well like it can do these different arrangements um the score has really really surprised me so far how it's like half of me loves it because it's just this great love letter to different like final fantasy songs and the other half is it does a really, really good job of getting that kind of poppy, fun, whimsical sound to it that kind of fits well with its world that it's, like, created in... Like, Grimoire, when I think of, like, the world of Grimoire, I imagine the look of the mirages, and I, like, that music fits, like, that kind of, like, poppy look that I expect in the game. Yeah, and there's so many different styles of music as well, and I, I, that's actually a good... Uh, we'll shift around, but I think... So, I'm going to go back to a nostalgic moment in the story, and I... It was actually just anything involving Titus and you. <laughs> I just the, the guys they just cracked me up to the point where, like the I don't know who came up with the idea, but they do a complete role reversal. I don't know if you've seen anything about it at all, Spencer. But basically, they just do a massive piss take of each other. So instead of like you know Titus um, does the whole whistle sequence, and um, it, they do it the other way around. So Titus is like, oh, I'm going to teach you to whistle just in case you need me. And she's like, well, I, I, why don't you whistle when you need me? And like, so she's just like, I don't need your help. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Go away. Leave me alone. I'm perfectly capable. <laughs> and like, they just take the piss out of the laughing scene. There's a moment where um, Yuna has to try and help someone who's basically going to do what Yuna did in Final Fantasy X. But she just doesn't understand why anyone would want to do that. And it's just, you're just kind of sitting there just thinking... All right, Yuna. Okay, I see where you're coming at from here. It's a interesting point of view. I th- I think what hates with that nostalgic point that you bring up as well, and I haven't run into anyone who's not been their original voice if they were previously voiced, but having the voices that you recognize or remember, like the fact that like even the small things like James Arnold Taylor still being like Titus is like that adds a lot to if they just got some dude to be Titus. Yeah, and I think that's really cool, like the way they did that and. There are so many, um, especially in the uh, intervention missions, there are so many odes to things that you just won't even fathom at the time. Like some of them are, like, are so subtle with how they how they work how they're worked in 
and um i think it's really cool that there's a ton of nostalgia in there but it's just so well ingrained but going back to your point about the music um i i completely agree the soundtrack i didn't really know what to expect beforehand i mean i like hamwise as a composer but i think he has strengths and he has weaknesses and i think i mean i read beforehand actually that even the guys at square enix who are working on the game like the the higher up brass they were also worried about him working on this game because he is notoriously known for like dark broody melodies that are you know i mean if you think about the the final fantasy 13 um pieces that he's done like you know they're very solemn piano scores or they're really like upbeat um like violin stuff but there's always like a dark undertone mm-hmm. to a lot of what he does like especially in the dirge cerberus soundtrack like that's that's heavy oh yeah <laughs> um and what a final fantasy is this upbeat whimsical kind of thing and so they were concerned that his style wouldn't translate but i'd say it does really well and I do want to note out here that, and I can't remember the guy's names off the top of my head. Um, I think one of them is called Takeda um, Kigano or something. But basically, there's four composers that worked on this game. Like Hamwazu is going to get all the credit, but he actually only did about half, the, probably not even half the soundtrack. He, did, I think, he did more of the original music than the other guys. They, a lot of the other ones were, were doing the arrangements, but um, some of the arrangements, and it's the style that goes through. Like as you mentioned, the Final Fantasy One town theme. It's like a more of a, a classical style piece. But then you'll go on and there'll be like techno pieces and, and rock pieces and stuff. And it just somehow all manages to suit the environment. I don't think I heard one piece of music throughout the game and I was thinking like, what the hell have they done here? Like, that doesn't <laughs> there, So there doesn't is the fit. equivalent of no chocobo butt rock. <laughs> no, there was not. I mean, I even going to... Um, uh, there's a, the big bridge um, and the the rendition of like clash on the big bridge has been done so many oh, times yeah. by so many different people and i was just like wow this is this is really cool like the way they did it they kind of did like a techno version but like the way they integrated different parts into the song was really smart and i just i just really appreciated what they did they they made it fresh and um i think it's kind of what i was saying before how they didn't want to just pay it they didn't want to pay a tribute to the game they wanted to take what the other games brought and make them into something new in this whole environment that they're creating so it wasn't just a oh we're going to try and do the best arrangement ever it's just no we're going to do the arrangement that fits for this environment and like we're going to mold it so that you're going to recognize it but you're not going to recognize it necessarily in the way you think you are. I, I have a perfect example of what you're talking about. I was listening to... I didn't even know. I was like halfway through the song. Um, I don't. The, I have no story context. So I was just checking out the soundtrack that came with the collection edition. And they had an arrangement of Old King Mog. And <laughs> as it was playing, halfway through the song, I'm like, what is this? Like, I could not like, tell what it was, but it had like such a familiar like tone to it. And then like when the chorus finally... like finished like swelling up and like it kind of kicked in and you could like hear people like i don't think there's any lyrics in um in their rendition of it it was just so surprising to just kind of hear it in that one i i love like when i get like surprised like that for like songs that i've like that i know really really well or like especially love that just kind of like surprised me in a way that's like oh it's a really good song but it also like its arrangement stood out so much i view i thought it was its own original piece yeah and it's just they put them in in such subtle ways as well like for example um you can ride on certain mirages if you have the joyride command uh sorry the joyride ability and like 
once you get to the point where you can get Magic Armor, like as soon as you start rocking around with that, it starts playing Terrace theme randomly. And I I didn't even really realize it the first when I first did it. I was like, oh, I must be going into a Final Fantasy VI area. No, I'm just using Magitek Armor. What, right, what, okay. other, what other song would play on Magitek Armor? I don't know. I mean, it, they could have picked anything from Final Fantasy VI, really. Now my, my hope, Daryl, I've not actually unlocked this yet, the exclusive Magitek Armor that you get from beating the demo, the, like, Magitek... Has some different I music. Hope, <laughs> I, hope it's, I hope it's the song from Final Fantasy VI, but just played with police sirens, since it's supposed to match <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Alright, so um, I guess we should talk about gameplay. It's probably the biggest thing about the game. Um, and I'd say it's it's nice in the sense that it's it kind of reminds me of Ten Two in the fact that they took a pre-existing system. I mean, like Ten Two is probably considered one of the better implementations of the ATB system in the history of the franchise. Um, I, I have a soft spot for 13's combat. I'd probably say that 13's combat is my favorite in terms of what it achieved, like the whole strategy action pace uh, kind of thing. But I'd say that World of Final Fantasies, the 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 innovations they made on the active time battle system made it really stand out for me. Oh yeah, because like it doesn't feel like oh this is just like this this isn't like your like same old same old like Super Nintendo like ATB which they could have easily easily done it was really smart well that's there if you wanted to yeah be. but like, like the like the fact uh, that like it gives you so many choices as well is like very helpful yeah i couldn't i couldn't really believe they give you so many choices so you've got the difference between wait active semi active you can change the speed of the time bar you've even got a fast forward in battle okay we actually have to make um, a big point about that cuz i forgot i need to thank you Daryl. the first person and I now I've not seen your review, so I don't know if you've actually mentioned this. Every review I have like overheard people talking about oh, World of Final Fantasy is so slow. It's got the slowest battles I've ever had in any RP. <laughs> it ha- the game goes out of its way to tell you, hey, everything in this game, not even just battles, we will fast forward yeah, everything. Yeah. You can go through the cutscenes fast forward, like, and that's not even like, oh, there's a skip. No, there was just a. Oh, I don't want it. Like you could go through the whole game and just fast forward all of Thomas' parts and just hear everything else. And like the the yeah. battles, like it's like oh, it takes like five seconds for anyone to attack. It's like no, it takes one. You just hold down R one. Yeah, like it can go even quicker than that. Like if you set that to the maximum speed, you can have especially if you if it's like a a lot of people having um in in the battle and you unstack, you could have like ten people having a turn within two three two three seconds. Mm-hmm. It it can go seriously fast, yeah. Especially if people are saying that it's really slow. Yeah, that's that's always like my <laughs> biggest like pet peeve when people are like, "This game's battle system is pretty good, but the the speed is just so dumb." It's like, did you look at the options? Like, it even like went out of its way to have the squeaky menu tell you hold R one. I would say that the only the only issue I have with the battle system is that it's, it's and it's not the battle system; it's the game. The game is too easy. Like, I'm a little I, surprised there I, I, wasn't a difficulty like like thing. I wouldn't be surprised if the game gets like like if the game gets updated with it because I've noticed a trend recently with a lot of Japanese RPGs that they have been offering extra difficulty modes after a game's release. Which I I am always of the camp that I will never complain about an easy RPG if it's like very story heavy. Like if I'm into it like for the gameplay only, if it was like like, no story, then I'd have more of a beef with it, but I think it's harder to complain about it being easy, because, like, it's not like, I mean, I at least hope, 
did you at least die once in the game? Um, I think I died, yeah, maybe once or yeah, twice. Yeah, like, it has those moments where... He... One of them I died intentionally <laughs> because I went into a battle without equipping a Mirage, and I was like, I really wanted that Mirage to level up. So I just was like, no, I'm going to game over. Because I, th- I always think there's a big thing between do I want to be tested as a player or do I want to like progress the story? And usually it's always more for the story on me. But it, I don't. I didn't ever view it as like insultingly or like sleep worthy easy. Like I never beat any of the battles just on auto. I by when you get further in the game, you basically will. And I think that's what happened to me. Like bef- when I started up, it's it was more challenging in terms of I had to think about more more what I was doing. Like I was I was actually having to use protect uh, different weaknesses and stuff. But I think as I went on, I didn't grind at all in the game and nothing was challenging like even um kind of there's bosses at the end of the crystal tower not even remotely close to dying and i think it was just it was a fine line throughout i think i think the one time i did die um there was a point where i was just like well okay what the hell am i gonna do here because there was one boss that that did um kind of cause me a few headaches a little bit but there was nothing I just changed the mirage out and put another one in and then I was fine. And it, I don't know. It was, I don't feel that they used enough of what they had. They like, there was a lot of strategy that could have been implemented throughout the stacking system. And I don't think they ever really made you think about using it. I think it. they were a little bit concerned about, cause this is, cause, I mean, we're, we'll get into it when we start talking about the mirages and like the prismariums and whatnot. Like the game has a lot of really cool deep systems that could get even deeper. The game just doesn't really go for it. I think they were just more worried because one of the things, um, I love about 13, but also a complaint about it at the same time is like you mentioned the battle system in the 13 series is really, really good. But I always had moments in 13 where if I was using a system wrong and I just didn't know it, I would get to a boss that was just like a wall. It was like, yeah. a, like I, I remember it was Sid in 13 for me. I just could not like understand what I was doing wrong. And like that, like when you get to a wall in an RPG, it is so easy for it to just be like, okay, put it away, never come back. 13, the, the whole problem was they just didn't, they didn't explain it wasn't like a normal Final Fantasy game in terms of you had to use different classes. You had to use Ravager. You had to... Well, I mean, people would use Ravager, but like no one would ever really use Saboteur or Synergist. Like, they just... It was just alien. Like, oh, unless you unless you played an MMO, like, when in a Final Fantasy game have you ever actually had to use Protect? Oh, yeah. It's or, like, um... like... Like, when have you ever had to use debuffs and, like, enfeeble things? It's like, you just don't. A, a good example, this game is the first RPG to ever have an actual good reason to make me use Libra. And it's really, really smart because, like, yeah. Libra makes sense if you've never played an RPG before. Most people can look at a monster and your abilities you have or it does and go, I know it's I know it's resistance, I know it's weaknesses now. This is a useless skill. This game is super, super smart because the fact that you're collecting mirages... It immediately makes Libra a must-have for both, like, of the characters you play as. Because if I want to collect someone, all I have to do is do Libra. I immediately know how to, pr- like, to make the Prism Tinity pop up. And that, like, makes it a lot better. Because, like, nothing's worse than, oh, hey, I want to get... Because they could have really easily just been like, oh, hey, you can collect them by weakening them all. But each one has their own little tick that, like, are things you'd never... 
We're not yeah, gonna like, tell you. Yeah, like I remember, <laughs> like I recently, like I, I found the black chocobo chick, and I did the, I did the labor on it. And I was like, oh, cure it to make the uh, prism tunity pop up. I would have never cured it. Like I would never have found that out. No, and I remember even in the demo, I was just like, how the hell do you capture these things? I, I just thought it was all you just whack them and then they. I mean, they could have, they could have so yeah, because like, like, right? like, I mean, obviously, yeah. Like, uh, congratulations, we made it almost forty-seven minutes without bringing up Pokemon, <laughs> but you you have to with the way it works. But like, Pokemon is the same thing. There is no like besides the fact that you might make a Pokemon go to sleep. It's always damage them, make sure they don't die, throw a Pokeball at them. Like the little ex- the little extra depth of like, okay, hey. Leave all but this one enemy to last, and then the Prism Tunity will pop up. Or, like, cast Protect on the enemy. And, like, little things like that that make sense for what the, like, monster you're trying to catch is. is such a cool little, like, step, especially how I mean, many there are. some of them are hard. Like, one of them I thought where you had to you had to reflect magic back mm-hmm. onto it. Like, it's it's tricky. And, like, even some of them, you're like, yeah, you got to cast, like do magic and like even getting that magic is hard like you gotta actually find a place to find it and then you gotta go back to capture the mirages later because you just you're not gonna have it it, it makes me really excited to I, I know i'm not gonna be able to do this before 15 comes out this i think will be a really fun game to if not if you're not into like trophy hunting like i feel like this would be a really fun platinum but at the very least capturing all the mirages i think is like almost it's it's almost as fun as like battling just from like that that pokemon like collection aspect but just done a little bit better like it's still blatantly copying i mean you're throwing a ball it's shaking three times and you've caught them like that is just straight up plagiarism of pokemon catching it's just not been trademarked but like the little touches it does makes me more interested and it is also probably a large amount of nostalgia for both of us it's like do i care about catching a piece of uh pokemon that is just a piece of trash no do I want to capture every Chocobo variant? Of course I do. Yep. <laughs> I yeah no I I thought the Mirage system was good. Um, but the, what I really liked about the Mirage system is just how much depth that had as well. Like it's not just a simple case of like evolution and devolutions that other games have. It's not like oh I'm gonna get the Choco baby Chocobo or Chocobo Choco chick or whatever it's called, uh, and then I upgrade that and then it becomes a completely new person or a new mirage it's it's no it's still the same mirage you just change what it was and you can change it back whenever you want and like there's so many more benefits to being loyal to your mirages because say you get a choco chick and then later on you get the chocobo um if you have the choco chick you've been using it and then you up then you uh transfig that to a chocobo it's gonna be so much better than the chocobo you actually capture that there's no point even using the other one. But then you can use the other one if you want to have two Chocobos, for example. But I, I really like the fact that it's only the abilities that change when you transfig, and a couple of the stats will change slightly. But you can have, like, if you, for example, Cerberus is one of the XL Mirages you have. Like, they level up pretty quickly. Um, you obviously can't use it in a stack, but... It can you can downgrade it to to anything like a like a Fenrir or a, like a I think they're called Nax, um, and they can it doesn't make them any weaker. It's just how you want to use that Mirage, and I thought that was such a good system because it encouraged you to to stick with using certain Mirages, not just ditching them because they didn't um, they didn't fit with your stack anymore. Uh, I do have to say this: if you are skipping through whenever you capture mirages and not reading the descriptions you are missing out on like half the jokes of the game 
the writing and descri- yep. the descriptions for what like all the mirages are, even the little variants, is like so funny. Like I think I think there was like one of them like the and like the first dungeon, it was like the little like rock, like the medium size like golem or whatever for it. It was just it was just like I mean, basically, it's just puns. There's just, like, dumb puns or, like, little jokes that, like, kind of, like, work with that. I remember there was, like, the, like, two-headed, like, dual lizard raptor or something. It was, like, oh, he constantly get in, gets in rap battles with himself cause he, but loses because he's always spitting so much fire. And it's just, like, little... Yeah, and, like, the the uh, the Valfour one's, like, oh, did you manage to get that 10-10-2 HD remaster yet? <laughs> hint, hint. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> stuff like that is just, like, it's really, really funny... Um, and definitely things that could, like, easily just, like, as you're collecting, just, like, pass by, but the little attention to details on all, I mean, really, the whole, the whole, yeah, the whole game, the, the localization effort for it must have just been insane, and the fact that, like, the more I keep playing it, this keeps popping up in my head, I'm like, it is amazing that this was a, like, simultaneous launch release. Like, they must have, they must have had to have done so much work to, like, get this up there, which is funny, because really... There are so many little nuances in this game. Like, even uh, when you go to Cornelia and there's, like, little black mages and white mages running around. Like, it's just... There's so, so many little things that they put in. You know, it's almost funny. I almost feel like either, like, Square Enix was just really trying to underplay it or just, like, all of us, like, as fans just kind of thought, oh, this will be a fun game, but I don't think anyone expected this to have, like, so much kind of, like... It, there's just a lot of, like, love that very clearly went into this game and, like, producing it and, like, developing it. Yeah, and it's why I think um, we're probably need to wrap up now. But, um, sorry, I Spencer. I know there's so I much know. more you could say. But I think um, it's it, it's a game where they, yeah, they put a lot into it. and um, But I just feel like they could have done a lot more with it. And I, and I really, really hope that, that people were encouraged to go out and buy it. Because if you... If you enjoy any final fantasy game through one through 14 any any kind it doesn't matter whether you just like the evil east games or you really like the 13 franchise and, and that's where you came in you will enjoy this game because there's just so much love and sass okay so there's no i was final just, I was just in there, but, about to don't, say don't unless you like final you fantasy 12 don't buy this game and i don't i don't think it makes it like it, I st- as a Final Fantasy fan of any kind, you will get a kick out of this. You will enjoy it, and I think it's the kind of game where um, they've really tried. It's not like Final Fantasy Explorers. It's it's so different from any other those crossover titles things they've done. This is this is like a unique game they've tried to make that is like a real letter of love to us. Um, they've tried to push it out to a wider audience and that's kind of things hasn't really worked out so well i don't think but i think as long as we as a fan base really support it buy it and show them that we enjoyed it then hopefully they can make another one and improve on it yeah um and i at least for the west i know um at least i want to stress this as much if you are buying this game and enjoying it don't just like kind of put it out there like to your friends and stuff like us don't be like me and daryl and just like make a podcast that eight people are going to listen to and hear about it tweet (laughs) at square enix and like or like post on like their like facebook stuff or even their community board like let them know like hey this is what i like this stuff could have been better but like for the most part i don't think i don't see anyone really hating on this game and like daryl was like saying this doesn't like have this is very different from something like an explorer's this doesn't feel like a spin-off this feels like just a good final fantasy game that could be really really improved but like it's very important for us to put it out there to let Cornix know a thank you for making this game b 
like, you should keep doing stuff like this, and then, like, obviously, like, let them know, like, whatever you want that to be. But I, I just am really worried and want to stress that so much. It's just bad, like, I think it came out for a good time for the market that it was trying to get. Obviously, a month before 15 was smart. There's not a lot of other big RPGs coming out. But it could be very easy for its voice to be drowned out in terms of, like, sales and just the community letting them know. Because, oh, I'm playing, like, X other game. Or, like, I'm still playing Dragon Quest Builders or, like, some other stuff like that. It's, like, very important to, like, let them know in this crowded time that, hey, I bought this and I really appreciate it. Not just, like, oh, I'll I'll get it when it goes on sale. The other thing that I, I kind of want to stress as well, and slightly controversial, I guess, is that me personally, I would rather they make games like World of Final Fantasy than games like Mobius. Yes, because like those and, are like, we're now, I mean, didn't like Lauren like tweet this out or like something recently? He's like, I think we have more spinoffs than main series games at this point. Oh yeah, there's, there's so many. And I mean, like you think of Mobius, so Mobius has passed 8.88 million players now. Which is crazy, and they're gonna. As long as those games are successful, they're going to keep making them. Like they just announced Final Fantasy Dimensions Two, but I'd rather that they make games like World of Final Fantasy, Fantasy that are much richer experiences that that are a, that there's a lot more time it's a, investment. It has heart. I look at World of Final Fantasy after playing it for thirty minutes. I'm like, I can tell this had heart, care, and attention put into it. I play something like Final Fantasy, like Legends, I mean Dimensions, and I go. That sure felt like someone trying to make a Final Fantasy game on the phone. Yep. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're getting better. Oh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, trust me, the days of all I, the bravest is definitely far behind us, but we're not but it's there like yet. You, you pay with your... you Like, they'll learn what works based on where the money is. So if no one buys World of Final Fantasy, they'll just go like, all right, well, we'll make a new Mobius game then. And, and, and But if loads of people buy World of Final Fantasy, then they'll be like, oh, well, maybe we should make another world of final fantasy game or something similar because that's where people are interested but anyway that's that's my two cents that was our conversation of world of final fantasy if uh, if you're on the fence go get it just just get it you'll enjoy it you everyone won't get tweet it. at lauren uh let her know how wrong she is for having not played it and let's just all let's just all guilt <laughs> shame her into finally playing this game she'll play she'll play it soon no, enough you say that daryl we are 24 days away from 15 She's just egging it on. She's like, oh, I'll play it next week. Then 15's out. She'll never touch it. It's dead to her after that. You may have a point. <laughs> she's, she's just, she's just <laughs> riding us along for the Noctis train. She's like, oh, I care about it. Mm, let me get in the, let me get in that car, boy. <laughs> Alright, um, so yeah, music this episode is actually from Final Fantasy 13. There's no arrangements of World of Final Fantasy yet that anyone's I mean, done it'd be hard to make an arrangement of an arrangement, just came too. Out. Yeah. Well, they, hey, there's original That's pieces. That's true. In there. The uh, and some of them are the, really The main awesome. hub world has a very has a very cool cool song. Yeah, Ninewood Hills is is a good it's a good theme. Uh, but yeah, it's from Final Fantasy Thirteen. It's a uh, it's an arrangement of Dust to Dust, and it's by someone called G Plus. G Plus. I'd give that song a G Plus for great. No, for A great. plus. A, G Plus is a pretty bad grade. <laughs> in America, they had to make a new grade. That's how bad it was. <laughs> Alright, so the next episode of Final Fantasy Union is scheduled to come out on the 22nd of November. Um, it's going to be an interesting one because we will actually be in America when that comes out. So we're going to try and record it before we fly out. Generally, when stuff like that happens, Square Enix will be like, Oh yeah, we're going to do something crazy after you've recorded. And then it makes us like morons because we're not going to talk about it. But I'm really hoping that since we're so close to Final Fantasy XV, that Tabata is just going to 
Just go into hibernation and just say nothing during your, that time Your period. whole time at editing then that it, show, Daryl, is just going to be like, Tabity, you better shut your mouth. You better not make what? this show I mean, pointless. Actually, actually, I mean, it's him that's been quiet recently. It's other people that have started saying stuff like, oh, yeah, we're doing this whole multiplayer DLC. And then there's, oh, you, do you want a female playable character? Oh, that, that's yeah, not sure, what we can I do that. No worries. I thought I've been complaining about uh, Hey, everyone out there who's playing the game for review on your dev kits, shut up. Just shut up. I don't want to <laughs> see the first 15 hours of the game. Shut yeah, up! True, yeah. <laughs> Here's my impressions from the first 15 hours. Uh, no. Um, anyway, yeah, so hopefully everything goes to plan, and um, yeah, you'll get the episode on the 22nd of November. It'll be it'll go by a lot faster if everyone just buys Final Fantasy, World of Final Fantasy in the meantime. It will, yeah, just play that, because, I mean, seriously, getting that Platinum Trophy is going to take you a long time. A long time. Anyway, yeah, so uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Just type in Final Fantasy into the iTunes search engine and uh, yeah, we'll, and we'll come up as the number one podcast. And of course, check us out on FinalFantasyUnion.com and Patreon.com forward slash FFKHUnion if you would like to support us. Also, be sure to check out our YouTube channel. Like We've been growing massively recently and um, we've been putting up some cool stuff. We're going to be doing a load of stuff in the run-up to Final Fantasy 15. I've just put out a fun video, which is 10 things you didn't know about Tabitha. And I'm inclined to think that most people won't know a lot of them, so go prove me wrong. People are just going to say they knew it all anyway. Daryl, Daryl, I, I they can do that. I knew, I'm, I'm his mom. I knew everything. Come on, I follow I follow his career <laughs> like like a stalker. Did, I mean, not you? really. He's a cool guy, but I mean, I don't I don't follow. He is. A I, cool l- guy. I like to let him surprise me. I don't I don't like to surprise him. That's true. It's the best way of parenting. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, Spencer. Say goodbye. goodbye, everyone. I'll see you in uh, two and a half years again. Yeah, two well, years? I'll see you for Final Fantasy yep, okay. 16's launch. <laughs> and I'm Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a FinalFantasyNew.com production.